Hi, this is Alan Ruff, the Thursday host of A Public Affair. If you have a moment and the, the resources, remember to support the station. And if you will, head over to wrtfm.org to donate and to see what else is going on at the station. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. And good afternoon and welcome to this, the Thursday edition of A Public Affair. I'm your host for this hour. My name is Alan Ruff. Today I thought we'd depart somewhat from my usual fare of discussions on international and national developments and explore some of the recent goings-on at the Wisconsin State Capitol. In a partisan move on January 16th, the Republican majority in control of the Wisconsin Senate voted to relieve Governor Evers' appointee Tyler Eubner from his position as the Secretary of the Public Service Commission. The PSC regulates what customers pay for monopoly utilities that provide electricity, natural gas, and water, among other services. Significantly, Eubner's rejection marked a continuation of Republican targeting of Evers' appointees since the Democrat Democratic governor first took office in 2019. In October, Republican senators rejected seven of Evers' appointees to various positions, including a member of the Wisconsin Elections Commission and four members of the State Natural Resources Board. With us today to shed some light on some of the Republican maneuvers at the top of State Street is Eric Gunn the deputy editor of the Wisconsin Examiner. Gunn reports and writes on work on the economy, health policy, and related subjects. He previously spent 24 years as a freelance writer for the Milwaukee Magazine, Isthmus, The Progressive, and other publications, and has won a number of awards for his investigative reporting, feature writing, beat coverage, business writing, and commentary. Eric Gunn, welcome to WORT. Thank you very much for having me. Glad to be here. Well, okay. Tyler Eubner's de facto firing came as a foregone conclusion. Since days earlier, earlier, the Republican-dominated Senate Utilities and Technology Committee voted 3-2 to two along party lines against confirming Eubner to the PSC. You covered that committee meeting for the Wisconsin Examiner, might, what, what might you tell us about Hubner and why the Republicans set their sights on him? Well, um, so he came to the uh, Public Service Commission uh, from Renew Wisconsin, which is an organization that promotes, as you can guess from its name, renewable energy. Uh, and I think with that appointment, uh, Governor Evers was trying to you know make clear that he would like to see the the uh, the Public Service Commission um, at least try to be thinking about renewable energy issues in the course of making their decisions. Um, he was never confirmed. He was actually uh, first appointed to fill the expiring term of a Walker appointee who left early. Uh, and then, you know, he was never confirmed. And then when that term ended, he was reappointed to a new term. Uh, and again, there was no confirmation for, for several years. Um, I think this is certainly a part of, the, of a pattern where certain individuals that the governor has appointed to cabinet posts and to um, other positions that require Senate approval have, uh, have been not confirmed. Uh, as a as a direct as a, as a as a kind of a form of control, or as a form of um, um, uh, kind of ho holding him in check, as it were. Um, so the issues that that were, and we can talk more about that in a little bit. But the the issues that uh, were specifically cited during his confirmation hearing. Um, or, or there were two main ones. One was um, the 
PSC had approved in 2022 a pilot program uh, in a rate case for the uh, Madison Water Utility that would provide water utility payment subsidies for low-income homeowners and renters. Uh, and tied to that were certain kinds of you know, homeowner renter practices that were intended to conserve water. Uh, now the the uh, Republicans on the committee that uh, were bringing up this issue were citing a, a Wisconsin law that says no public utility and no agent or officer of a public utility directly or indirectly may charge, demand, collect, or receive from any person more or less compensation for any service provided by the utility. Uh, he made the point that that law was directed at the utilities themselves and had to do with uh, preventing them from basically doing under the table favors for certain customers. Uh, but the lawmakers, uh, Julian Bradley, Senator Julian Bradley, Republican of Franklin, and Van Weingarten, Republican of Racine, uh, that were pressing this issue, uh, were going by the sort of the literal uh, phrasing of the law and saying that they felt this, this, was, uh, this whole pilot program was illegal. Uh, interestingly enough, as has been pointed out to me, uh, there's never been a lawsuit filed against uh, the PSC or the or the water utility about this pilot program. So um, make of that what you will. Um, anyway, those those points were. Uh, that was that was kind of one thing, and then uh, Hebner made some, you know, arguments about uh, renewable energy and targeting for renewable energy uh, being a bigger part of our uh, power source, you know, by by 2030, and um, the arguments they were trying to make there were much more. Uh, um, abstract, I guess I would say. Uh, they were saying, "Well, can you can can you reach this goal without you know making you know certain policy changes?" Unwritten in there is policy changes that are outside the purview of what the PSC is supposed to decide on, and but that became say just kind of a a little more. Um, vague and, 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 and implicit. I mean, there was, a, as I say, they, however they interpreted the law, that was, you know, at least a, there was sort of a black and white claim that they could make there. Why do they really did that? You know, um, I'm not a mind reader, um, but I think he was clearly viewed suspiciously because he came from uh, a lobbying organization that was for renewable energy that was raising concerns about climate change and so on and so forth. Um, that's where the, the, the uh, that's I think the, the bigger picture reason um, as well as again, the, the sort of official reasons that they decided they would um, uh, not appoint him at, the, at, at this time. Um, Sooner or later, they would have, you know, I mean, they could have just let him go on forever, I suppose, without a confirmation hearing. Um, they clearly decided there was, you know, time to to uh, throw their weight around on this issue. I want to uh, come back, you know, stay for a bit uh, with this uh, this question of the energy rates based on the customer's ability to pay uh, rather than you you suggest is, is uh, the norm. Um, talk about that for a bit. That is, what underlies, you have any sense of what underlies their, the Republican objection to uh, subsidizing people who can, uh, are less able to pay for 
I think um, there's. I, I I kind of see it as a piece of of a whole different set of uh, policies that basically look down on any kind of uh, redistribution, if you will. Um, and think about last year when there was uh, the referendum, uh, the advisory referendum about um, requiring uh, people who benefited from welfare programs, I should put air quotes around, around the term welfare programs, to work, for instance. Uh, there have been several attempts by the uh, Republican majority in the legislature to pass legislation that would, uh, for instance, require Medicaid recipients to register more often than once a year, which would be a, a violation of federal law, by the way, um, and to put other kind of what uh, the, the, the social scientists may refer to as administrative burdens in, in the way of people trying to re-sign up uh, for, for Medicaid. Um, whether, uh, you know, I'm not going to second guess the, 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 the thinking or the motives, but the official motives is, you know, this kind of against any kind of redistribution of resources, uh, using the state function to do that, whether you call it welfare or Medicaid or, or in this case, you know, a discount on or a subsidy on a utility rates for lower income customers. The, the second concern raised by the Republicans, that is the attention that the PSC officials have paid to concern about climate change and reducing carbon dioxide emissions um, is, is set, leads to some bigger questions. That is, might we talk about the Republican climate change denialism underlying their votes? The fact that in their view, business interests take precedence over the ever-deepening environmental crisis. Well, I mean, and there's, there's clearly, and there's clearly lots of examples of that uh, as well. Um, so last year, uh, there were attempts to, to enact legislation that would block the state and block local governments from ever passing any laws that would restrict the sources of power that utilities could use or how your cars were powered or how your appliances or, or machinery like lawnmowers were powered. In other words, um, you couldn't, as some communities have started doing, restrict or or say, you know, no more internal combustion engines on your lawnmowers, just for a, a thing. So they they pass these. Uh, these were strictly party line votes, um, and Governor Evers vetoed them, and and I think ridiculed the law, uh, ridiculed the proposals uh, when he did so. Uh, there's never actually been in Wisconsin an attempt by the state or by local governments to to pass such, you know, laws restricting internal combustion engines, but that was, that, you know, that was a, um, uh, that was a, uh, an issue that they, that the uh, Republican majority decided to pursue. Um, and is it because they actually fear such a thing? Is it an attempt to sort of brush back any um, impulse that might come up down the road from either the state or local governments to pass such a law? Or is it simply a certain red meat for a certain aspect of their base that are also um, skeptical or denying of, of climate change? You know, which is it? Who knows? But um, th that's nonetheless been one of the most, you know, sort of obvious manifestations of that. Um, you're, listen, you're listening to Eric Gunn, uh, columnist, writer uh, with the Wisconsin Examiner. We're talking about 
Well, politics per usual uh, at, uh, at the state capitol. Uh, you can join us at half past the hour with questions, comments, observations at 608-256-2001. Again, 608-256-2001 if you wish to join in the conversation today. Eric Gunn, Senator Van Wangard, uh, another member of the Senate Utilities Committee, said in a statement after the Senate vote um, that Republicans, re, excuse me, Republicans also were upset that, that Hebner voted in December to allow property owners to lease panels from a solar power company at lower rates than what an electric utility might charge. Why should that be an issue, especially for conservative Republicans who constantly extol the virtues of the free market? And, and that's a really, it's really kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting issue because um, the, and, and it becomes kind of honestly part of a very complex um, and evolving um, policy uh matrix that the uh, PSC is going through in terms of solar power, in terms of expanding solar power. And, and, and um, this is actually something that I hope to do more reporting and writing about than I have so far. But, uh, but, but, but back to the point, um, there were um, utility opposition to these kinds of rooftop solar uh, kinds of things, as you can imagine, um, and uh, the the power of of the regulated utilities in the legislature is certainly um, not to be sneezed at. The um, you know there's some other bills that would uh, sort of demonstrate that that are at least in play right now. Um, in one way or another. So it really comes back again to, uh, I think, the, the degree to which the business lobbies have a very strong ear on that side of the, on that side of the aisle in both the uh, Senate and the Assembly. Um, utility, utilities companies have generally opposed uh, such deals, uh, and Vanguard said the legislature hadn't approved them. What do we make of that? That is, Vanguard added that the PSC in 2021 ordered utilities to provide workplace diversity data on annual reports without the authority to do so. What can you tell us? What can you tell us in regard to the partisan clash? the contention over the collection of diversity information from utilities, requests for diversity, equity, and inclusion information from utility companies, and why Republicans would stand opposed to that. Well, we've seen, we've seen uh, basically that this has been uh, a topic, you know, both at the national level and at the state level, that um, they have seized on, particularly in the last couple of years, and I think there's been some recent work in, um, elsewhere in terms of some of the influences behind that. But the whole diversity, equity, inclusion thing—I mean, um, you know—in two successive budgets from uh, Governor Evers, the Joint Finance Committee threw out all references to diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts within, you know, written into the budgets. Um, and that discussion became uh, particularly heated uh, this last time around uh, with discussion about the UW uh, and their diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, kind of uh, practices, and and um, the they have you know consistently framed it as this is just all about you know favoring one race over another or reverse racism or that kind of thing. Um, so that's one piece of it, right? 
Um, but there's another piece that is reflected in, you know, what he talked about legislative authority, especially in the, um, since uh, Governor Evers took, took office, uh, there's been a much more aggressive attempt by the uh, legislature to assert its role and to interpret uh, regulatory actions as lawmaking uh, and therefore usurping their role. Um, the going back to ancient history in 2020, the you know scrapping the the uh, health order that uh, temporarily closed a lot of businesses in the state. Um, the argument that was made about that, well, no, that that had to be an administrative rule, and the administrative rules ultimately go through the legislature for final approval, and and you know so that's one one argument of that, and it it surfaces in lots of different ways. We're seeing it now coming up in on the federal level, um, in in um, you know I don't want to get too far afield here, but. Uh, uh, a recent decision in uh, in involving um, uh, regulatory agencies that uh, is now pending from the Supreme Court um, with regard to the so-called sh- the, the 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 Chevron uh, reservation or whatever, which which you know had been a position that. Uh, you know the the regulatory agencies are most are closest to the issues. They understand these issues. Let them, you know, make the decisions about the issues. And now it looks like there may be some challenge to that uh, whole whole body of things. So there's throughout there's just been this, um, you know, throughout the, the on the Republican side of uh, of things and influenced, I'm sure, by outside. You know, business interests, lobbying organizations, all kinds of efforts to uh, very much rein in the power of all kinds of regulatory agencies at the state level, at the federal level, and at the local level. The the Senate vote on Hebner's appointment came as the latest of a series of Republican moves to reject Evers' appointees for a variety of reasons. Uh, it started with the firing of Brad. Brad Pfaff, the currently a Democratic senator from Alaska, who was, uh, excuse me, from Onalaska, uh, who was fired as the state's agricultural secretary in the autumn autumn of 2019. Let's talk about that a bit, this this range, this, it's really, uh, what I think one can consider it, I, I would consider it a kind of offensive uh, to assert power uh, over over the executive. Well, you know, it's a complicated thing. It's a little bit of a complicated thing, but um, the Senate does have the right to, you know, advise and consent and ultimately approve or not approve cabinet appointees. Um, In the past, that was generally really kind of just a pro forma action when the parties when the same parties are controlling the legislature and the and the executive, um, of course, that usually remains a pro forma action. Uh, we have to remember that when Governor Evers took office, he took office with uh, after the passage of a law in December of 2018 that removed certain powers of his. So it was. It's been one other way for them to try to uh, rein in and hamstring uh, some of the powers of the executive. Now it's interesting. I mean, they'll they'll they've confirmed you know certain certain folks uh, pretty readily, um, ones that they're comfortable with or familiar with, or or who control a part of the executive machinery that they that maybe is especially important to them or you know maybe it's some uh, uh, 
uh, also po political familiarity. So, but the the head of the, the secretary of agriculture, this secretary of the economic development corporation, you know, those get, folks got you know confirmed relatively um, relatively quickly in most. Um, but they, um, I mean, the story with with uh, with Brad Paff was. Um, so he had been appointed agriculture secretary, not yet confirmed, had made a big hit with the farm um, folks, um, but he got ticked off and went public about it um, when some budgeted funds relating to uh, suicide prevention in among farmers and in 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 the um this was supposed to be a part of the um uh you know is it, it was something to be administered by the department of agriculture the money wasn't being released and he got ticked off about it and he made went public with that and that insulted uh the senate leader at the time uh, now congressman scott fitzgerald uh and basically so they took took it out on him because they hadn't held his confirmation yet and they took it out on him by by rejecting his confirmation um they felt dissed right so um and you know since then we have not seen any cabinet officer confirmed or unconfirmed um uh, I think they've all been very um, circumspect in their describing <laughs> their relationships with the legislature. Um, there are some other people that were uh, never confirmed and have still not been confirmed. And again, I think it has to do with um, Uh, a, a sense of uh, let's keep them reined in. Um, a kind of a the, chilling, a kind of a chilling effect. I, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's the, certainly the attempt. I mean, um, classic example uh, in the first term was the secretary of the Department of uh, Health Services. Andrea Palm came in from the Obama White House. Um, with that in her, you know, background, um, she'd been recommended in the committee, majority of Republicans, uh, but, you know, one voted against her. And the main reason, and I wasn't, we weren't, our, our news outlet did not exist at the time. And so what I'm telling you now comes from published reports, but that, um, the, the one vote against her by one of the Republicans in the committee was um, had expressed because one of the deputies she'd appointed was a former Planned Parenthood lobbyist. Um, and while there was never an attempt to fire her, uh, honestly, not even after they might have when they when the, uh, the Republican leaders of the legislature won the lawsuit that ended the uh, ended the. Um, a health order. Um, there was never an attempt to fire her, but it was, I'm sure, held over her head not to confirm her. Her successor, Karen Timberlake, because Andrea Palm, when Joe Biden got elected, uh, uh, went quite gladly to uh, to accept the invitation to join the, the federal Department of Health again, where she'd worked before as a deputy. Uh, so her successor, Karen Timberlake, was never appointed. Or was never. I'm sorry. Was never confirmed. Um, uh, her, the new Department of Health Secretary designee, um, has been in office almost a year. Come this early spring, and um, she has yet to be confirmed. But we'll see what happens there. Um, in October, Republican senators rejected seven of Evers's appointees to various positions including a member of the Wisconsin Elections Commission, four members of the uh, State Natural Resources Board. Talk about that some. What Again, we're, I'm kind of 
comes back to this question of the primary or overarching motives underlying such uh, ongoing efforts. Well, and, and I think there's some differences there too. Okay, the the, the Autism Commission is kind of a is is kind of a distinctive um, circumstance um, because the background of that was um, the Senate's failed attempts to get rid of Megan Wolf, the executive, uh, I'm sorry, the administrator at the Elections Commission, who um, basically far-right election denialists and conspiracy theorists have blamed um, baselessly for various policies that she simply carried out that were voted on by the entire Elections Commission. Um, and the guy that was not confirmed and you know and therefore then kicked off of the elections commission had joined with all of the democrats the three democrats and on the elections commission in basically what was a political maneuver to not vote about reappointing megan wolf because if they did vote and there was a majority then then um uh, that would actually subject Wolf to a confirmation firing by the Senate. This is get, stuff gets really complicated here. <laughs> I have to admit, but uh, so there's that. That's 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 a whole almost a whole separate thing, and yet it's still a, a kind of a part of the piece anyway that they can you know exercise that control. Uh, the Natural Resource Board people. Um, Okay, so there's this thing called the RAINS Act, which basically um, uh, when it, it set a, a standard for the approval of environmental regulations having to do with the cost of regulations. And the whole uh, dynamic of that is, of course, you know, uh, to to really, you know, you get real deep into what's what's it cost? Okay, it might cost, you know, ten million dollars to require all the utilities to, and I'm just picking that just as a as a for instance to put, you know, new emissions controls on. But what's it cost if they don't do that, and our air gets dirtier? Right. So so that's what the, the Range Act is. Well, you have to, you know, if it costs, you know, certain things, you can't do it. And um, uh, people were asked in their confirmation, well, would you violate that? And um, their answers were, I'm sure, much more nuanced. But that became the excuse that uh the senators who led the fight to fire those four appointees uh to to vote to 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 call for their colleagues to vote against them uh was because they said they were going to violate the law right so and again it comes back to uh defanging the regulatory bodies um leaving much more uh, of the um, work that they do up to the legislature or up to the free market. Again, you're listening to Eric Gunn, who is uh, a, a reporter journalist uh, with the Wisconsin Examiner covering, uh, often covering uh, issues at the top end of State Street. 608 256 2001 if you want to join uh, with a question a comment an observation again give us a call at 608 256 2001 Eric Gunn what else would you like to talk about you know I, I was scanning your page on the Wisconsin Examiner website I can't help being impressed uh, with not just your output but the range of issues that you have reported on since you wrote about the uh, Republican rejection of, of Hebner's reappointment, you know, just even in the last couple of days, you had two pieces appear. 
uh, one reporting uh, under the title, Assembly Panel Advances Abortion Ban Measure with Rape and Incest Exception. Let's start with that. Uh, give our listeners a, a, a sense of what that piece was about. Well, sure. I'm glad to do that. And and the, the first thing I'll have to say is that to some extent in my role as deputy editor, sometimes I have to be something of a utility infielder. Um, our excellent legislative correspondent, um, Baylor Spears, has, who, who covers most of what the legislature does um, and had been covering the bill that was introduced just last Friday and held a hearing on Monday, uh, this bill that would uh, institute a 14-week it would allow uh, abortions up to 14 weeks and then ban them after 14 weeks and impose all of that in a referendum that the, that the, uh, uh, that the state's voters would vote on, which is, I, I think, a fairly unusual way of constructing a bill in Wisconsin. Anyway, so she'd covered that. Uh, she'd covered the hearing. and and um, But on... Tuesday, um, she was tasked with uh, preparing for and then covering the governor's State of the State address Tuesday evening. And we knew that that committee was going to be voting on that bill, on the abortion bill, um, that same day. And so um, I ended up covering it just because uh, Baylor had uh, much bigger responsibilities to fulfill. What's interesting about that vote, um, one of the things that uh, that Baylor had pointed out when she covered the hearing the previous day, um, you had all but a, like one or two people who testified at the public hearing testified against that bill. And they came from opposite ends of the spectrum on the issue. Right. So when that, um, you know, the the hardcore right to life um, lobbies want didn't like it because uh, they didn't like anything that allowed any um, abortion uh, period where abortion was legal. And of course, the the people who um, advocate for re reproductive rights, we're saying, you know, uh, this 14 weeks is a very arbitrary uh, limit, and this really needs to go back to what it was under, you know, until Roe v. Wade was thrown out in 2022, um, that it's between a woman and her doctor. So the, the, what was interesting in the vote in the committee on Tuesday, which is the part that I covered, um, was simply that he actually had two uh, Republicans. I mean, this is a Republican bill. Ended up joining with the Democrats of voting against it. Um, I believe because they felt it was too. It was too. Um, you know, they they didn't were no longer kind of comfortable with any kind of uh, uh, allowance for abortion. The other thing that was interesting is that. At the public hearing on the bill on Monday, many people had brought up that, you know, this restriction on abortion after 14 weeks, this, you know, uh, outlawing of abortion after 14 weeks, I should say, made no exception for rape or incest, uh, which has certainly been kind of a, a hot button issue for some uh, for some segment of the voting populace, which may be less comfortable uh, with a clean sort of reproductive rights framing of it, but but really want to make an exception, allowing abortion in those cases. Um, at the at the Tuesday vote by the Senate Health Committee, uh, they added an amendment allowing an exception to the fourteen week. Uh, limit uh, for in pregnancies that were the result of rape or incest. Um, that's being voted on today in the in the assembly, by the way. So, 
Um, so that was, you know, kind of what happened there. That uh, was actually another, um, um, well, anyway, there was some other things going on at that committee that were kind of interesting too, but. Um, you know, we're getting already good to, uh, close to the end of the hour. What else should we talk about? The, the, you did do an article, of course, about um, a, a, a second uh, Republican uh, rollout of a $2 billion tax cut package uh, and what's going on there. Sure. The um, Okay, so, and I'll try to keep this really concise here. The when the when when the budget was enacted, the Republican majority on the Joint Finance Committee. Uh, I mean, there, there's there's a big segment of the Republican Party and the legislature would like to see us go to a Wisconsin go to a pure flat tax. Everybody gets taxed at the same percentage. Uh, there are certainly business lobbies and and uh, think tanks that are really pushing this idea. Um, well, they knew they couldn't get that this time around. So what they were trying to do was collapse the two middle brackets. Um, and instead, uh, and, and, and put everybody from about, uh, if you're an individual 19,000 or so, up to $400,000 plus in one tax bracket. Well, that, of course, was vetoed out by the governor. Then they pulled back that same proposal and passed it along party lines as standalone legislation. And it got pulled, you know, vetoed again by the governor. So, the last time around, it, it, you know, that second time, it, it was combined with several other tax pieces, one on uh, exempting um, retiree income, up to 75000 for a single person, 150000 for a married couple, exempting that from taxation under the state income tax, and a uh, child care tax credit, um, So, and, and sort of that was all in one bill that got vetoed by the governor um, late, uh, late last year. Uh, but uh, this time around, uh, they're separating it into four different pieces. And, and they also are limiting the, uh, the tax bracket change to just a segment up to about $150,000 of income instead of all the way up to 400,000. So, um, uh, whether, whether, I mean, one, one of the things that all of those items even separated out, um, still, uh, as was pointed out, um, by the Institute on, on Taxation and Economic Policy in Washington, D.C., um, as skewed to the higher income folks, and that there are tax policies that really do target, you know, less affluent people exclusively um, that they are not going for in this particular group of policies of, of, of bills. Eric, we do have a uh, caller, as so often it's happens we're getting toward the end of the wire and someone is uh wants to get in with a question hello don you're on the air yeah i just wanted to say that how outraged i was that tyler hebner was not confirmed by the senate he's probably in in from my perspective he's probably the one of the most qualified persons ever to serve on the commission's um he had he got a straight a average in electrical engineering from iowa uh, he has a master's degree in energy policy from Stanford. He worked for um, the Department of Energy. Uh, 
Let's see what else. Uh, he was uh, elected chair, I think, for the the regional transmission project. I mean, this guy, he just he knew how to he knew he knew all sorts of things, <laughs> not only renewable energy, but energy policy in general. So, you know, I well, maybe one question I have is I <clears throat> I had heard that four out of the five you um, investor owned utilities had actually approved his confirmation. And I was wondering, perhaps um, your um, your expert might might have heard that too. And I was just wondering which utility didn't approve of Tyler being confirmed, and why why is it just one out of five uh, is able to change the votes for the whole Senate? Honestly, um, um, I. I think that in this particular decision, the utilities are not the big influence. I mean, they may have had a, had something of a role or, or at least the, the, you know, one, but I think the larger, uh, the larger issue has been more just broadly ideological and culture war based. Um, uh, that's an inference on my part. Um, uh, but that's that's kind of my uh, uh, inclination uh, based on on the large you know support of the utilities. I can uh, look up at uh, which one uh, I don't recall off the top of my head which was the one that that uh, was uh, more uh, skeptical. I can probably look that up. Uh, <clears throat> um, um, thing that Tyler it, supported supported economic development in the state. The utilities were all making a decent return on all these solar projects that were being put in. I mean, <clears throat> it just doesn't make any sense to me where you would take one of the most qualified people in the U.S. and and throw them out of uh, decision making, very important decision making. I mean, especially during this time when you know renewable energy. Uh, both solar and wind are the lowest lowest cost uh, energy resources, and Tyler knew that, and and he was able to convince most of the other utilities and the people in the state that that was the case as well. So, you know, I I I'm just really flabbergasted on why our representatives would do such a terrible thing. Well, I think, you know, I I got a letter. One of my jobs as deputy editor here is I monitor our incoming our incoming uh, mail to our generic email address. And, you know, there was an an email from somebody who was equally uh, flabbergasted. And and, um, I said, ultimately, they need to probably contact their, their local representative and local senator. And, and, and let them know about that opinion because, uh, and I don't know what district they lived in, so I don't, not sure if their uh, representative or senator was, or their senator would have been one that voted against or not. But uh, that's where the power in this ultimately lies, rightly or wrongly. Eric, yeah, we can I'm, have I'm, just, okay. go ahead, go ahead, caller. Well, I was just saying, I'm just happy that Eric actually wrote a story on it. Uh, I wasn't aware of that. I was hoping someone would. And, um, you know, I'd love to see some more follow-up and, you know, actually to ask the specific senators why they voted not to confirm one of the most qualified people in the country to, to serve the people in this state. That's all. Thank you. Thank you, Don. Thank you for the call. Then, And in some some ways... Uh, segues nicely into the final question I have for you uh, today, and that is to tell our listeners uh, some that might not listeners that might not be aware of the site. Uh, talk about the Wisconsin Examiner and uh, you know, plug away. <laughs> sure, uh, the Wisconsin Examiner. Uh, we will be marking our fifth anniversary in July. The Wisconsin Examiner was founded in 2019 as part of, as one of the earlier parts of what is now a national network of state news bureaus, um, operated uh, nonprofit, nonpartisan um, uh, across the country. 
by an organization called States Newsroom. Uh, and we cover state news, state, state government news, uh, statewide issues. Um, we're in a state where there's still a, a, you know, a variety of different press organizations that are covering state government. Some of the state's newsroom outlets are in states where there really is a news desert in terms of state news. Um, but our role in, in this case is to uh, fill gaps, especially in coverage, uh, whether it's gaps of topic or gaps of angle. Um, get at aspects that uh, other organizations may uh, not be getting to, may not have the time to, or, or may not have the, the focus on. Um, there are five of us now. Uh, where our editor is Ruth Conniff, the former editor of the Progressive Magazine. Um, I came, as you said at the beginning, uh, after uh, two decades of, uh, two and a half decades of uh, freelance, uh, mainly long-form journalism, and prior to that, working for the Milwaukee Journal, uh, where I covered labor and the, and the workplace for nine years. Um, and then we've got uh, three uh, other reporters. Uh, I've mentioned Baylor Spears, our legislative reporter, Henry Redman, who covers a lot of great stuff, and Isaiah Holmes, based in, uh, in Milwaukee, who um, uh, writes just really powerful stuff about public safety, um, and uh, policing and uh, a variety of other issues as well. What's that website? The website is uh, Wisconsin Examiner, written all out as one word, dot com. And um, we have no paywall. Uh, and we're... You know, you click onto us and you just see the news, the stories that we have. There's no advertising. I, I, I Even places that I like a lot that have a lot of advertising on them, it, it really, it just bugs me. And there's none of those really slimy, crappy, clickbait, you know, partner stories at the bottom either, you know, that come from outside outfits and that they throw a few pennies to the websites that host them and stuff like that. Okay. Well, we're right down to the end of the, uh, of the hour, so I want to thank you, Eric Gunn. You've been listening to Eric Gunn uh, with the uh, deputy editor of the Wisconsin Examiner. Uh, I want to thank you again, Eric Gunn. I want to thank Jade for helping to produce, Jack for uh, engineering today. I've been your host for this hour. My name is Alan Ruff, and I'll be speaking with you next week. Reported with information that will never be reported. Disregard the mainstream.